It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it's an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic and amazing show. I will be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be terrific. I do want to share a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I usually do this every single week. And before I forget, this episode is brought to you by Phone Sites. With Phone Sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. Try it free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash B-R-I-A-N. Gratitude has been a big theme in my life this year. It's very easy to be happy and thankful when things are going well, but the true test of how grateful you are is when things are not going the way you planned. The natural tendency we have is to blame someone or something for our bad circumstances, whether it's our jobs, the economy, our significant other, the weather, any multitude of reasons at all. The truth is we are in our current situation for a reason. We may not always know what that reason is. We may discover it later, or it may never be revealed to us at all. Sometimes we are where we are because someone else needs us. It has nothing to do with us at all. The bottom line, however, is that through it all, our response is a choice. When we choose to be grateful for what we have, we soon have more to be grateful for. So choose today to write down 10 things you're thankful for and review that list as often as possible. When we fill our thoughts with gratitude, the results won't be far behind. And if you have not downloaded and subscribed to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do that. Leave a review. That would be amazing. And in fact, you can ask Alexa, you can ask your Google device, you can ask Siri to play Success Profiles Radio, and you will hear the last episode that was done. How cool is that? My guest this week is Bennett Maxwell. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Bennett Maxwell has built successful sales teams in various industries while also building his real estate portfolio to over 20 tenants, leading from the front by earning the top title of sales rep, top sales rep regularly. Co-founding Switch to Solar with his brother allowed Bennett to flex his business building acumen and achieve a successful exit 18 short months later. Knowing that his entrepreneurial ventures only succeed with a purpose and having to work in the business instead of on the business can mask that goal, he believes that building a business should eventually mean working yourself out of a job. Beyond working with purpose, businesses should also be heart-centered, which is why he bought his company, Dirty Dough, a single-location cookie company. And the rapid growth under his leadership led to franchising over 50 stores in four months, allowing him to fund a cause called Cookies for a Cause, which is a nonprofit focused on mental health education in K-12 schools. He's also a member of the Forbes, Forbes Business Council, Apex Executives, and The Power Room. We have a lot to unwrap and unravel today, so here we are with my very, very special guest, Bennett Maxwell. Bennett, how are you? It's great to have you here. I'm doing super good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. So the first question I normally ask everyone is, did you envision early on that you would be where you are right now? Um, no. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, I was, before I got into sales, I was wanting to be a, a doctor because, you know, in high school, you have to choose what you want to be. And a doctor sounded cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, I thought for a minute about being a veterinarian. Then I saw the veterinarian come dehorn my calves when I was in high school, and it was way too bloody for me. So I said, no, I'm not doing this. No That's way. Yeah, I can be a doctor and I get queasy with blood. Yeah, I started as I started as a teacher. So I mean, I, I ended up getting to do that. And so that was fun, too. So what did your path look like prior to your current career? Um, sales. I mean, I, I just from a young age selling cookie dough in elementary. I mean, not cookie dough, it's candy bars in elementary. Yeah. And then I'll sell on door to door lawn aeration and maybe middle school and then in high school to be able to fund my sports programs. That's when I was selling cookie dough and you know discount cards but that's kind of what my drive has always been is um <clears throat> go out and, and work and kind of try to figure it out so that's that's what i was doing and then i served a, a mormon mission an lds mission knocked doors for another two years in tijuana mexico mm. came home to utah and man everybody in utah does door-to-door sales because yeah. you get all these you know mormons that just came back from a two-year mission and uh so that's 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 what kind of my path was sell, sell, sales, and then a mission, which was also sales, and then coming back to door to door. Um, here, you know, the door to door capital in Utah started building sales teams. Yeah, absolutely. So when you built your solar dealership, that was also a door knocking adventure too, right? Yes, absolutely. And you had a successful exit eighteen months later. How do you put yourself in a position to sell a company that fast? Um, kind of by design, kind of by accident. So I started solar in uh, May of, of 19. Like that was the first time I, I jumped into solar and I thought, you know what, we're going to move out. We're going to try the solar summer, just do it for a few months. That's all I was doing before, just doing mm -hmm. summer programs. And told myself, you know, if it goes well, then maybe we should start thinking about working year round, <laughs> mm. get a real job type of deal. So it went extremely well. Um, and then I partnered with my brother who took a lot of what we were doing online. So we you know, would uh, hire a marketing agency. They would give us some leads. We, did, we hired and trained some people out of the Philippines. They would call those leads um, and set up an appointment. I would show up and just close the appointment. So we did an 18 trial run, an 18 appointment trial run. All of 18, all 18 of them showed up. Wow. And solar, you know, where it, it's like a yeah, $30,000 average ticket item. So of those 18, I closed 16 of them on the first visit and one of them took the second visit, so closed 17 out of the 18, and the man, I couldn't get that last, that, that 18th guy. Wow. Um, but that's kind of was the proof in the pudding, like, okay, well, this works. So it, we moved to San Diego, me and him, and we had our first recruit starting to, to do like the door-to-door -door in January of 2020. But it was kind of, have you ever heard of the, the E-Myth Revisited? Have you ever heard of that book, Brian? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we started with that. That's So when it was just me and Brent, we built an org chart and we put, and I thought it was so stupid, <laughs> but my brother is, he's 13 years older than me. He bought his first franchise when he was like 22 and that's all he's ever done. So he knows the business. I just knew the sales part. Anyway, so it's like, this is how we're going to build this company. What do we envision our, our, you know, our company to look like in a few years from now? How many people, you know, how big is the team? What's, what are the roles? What are the responsibilities? So we built that org chart and we put either my head or his head in every single one. So look, kind of silly, right? Like why, why build an org chart if you only have two people? Right. Um, but we were practicing that, you know, the e-myth uh, model of, okay, let's start with the most, you know, who are we going to hire first? Well, it's a sales rep. So here's, you know, let's develop that sales rep role. And then as soon as we hire for a sales rep, then boom, I, I, I take my head out of that um, 
of that spot in the org chart. And then, okay, well, then it's the sales manager. And my brother's doing the same thing with these other parts of the business. So within a year, we'd worked way out of the business and we were just kind of overseeing it. Neither of us had any like day-to-day jobs. Um, and that's actually when I bought my cookie company was, was a year after I started the solar company. So I was actually spending most of my time on the cookies, but because we built the solar company with the end my, I mean, with the goal of let's get out of this as quickly as we, as we can while keeping, you know, a profitable model um, that poised us up to, you know, to, to sell the company. Somebody contacted yeah. us and um, it was running by itself. So, do you believe in starting a company for the purpose of selling it later, or do you believe more about holding it long-term and building it for legacy reasons? Um, I guess my ADHD self <laughs> is more into the, you know, jump in and, um, and build because I always want to go do the next thing. So I think the legacy purpose is huge and I really love and respect that. My personality though is like man what else can you create you know i want to go tackle another huge task here yeah that that's fantastic so success is rarely almost never a straight line so i would love to ask what was your rock bottom or defining moment in your journey um i guess every (laughs) in every single one of the business ventures i've done i could identify another rock bottom um part of the journey um, I guess the most recent one, so I, I purchased Dirty Dough Cookies, and it was one location out of Tempe, Arizona, um, and it wasn't profitable. I'd never mm. been in food before, mm. and I was running it from San Diego, operating you know, operating a, a single cookie location in Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a little scary, and man, we lost a lot of money on just figuring out processes. And, uh, you know, we, we opened up another store there in San Diego area. And it was probably around um, September when it shifted that I was debating, like, should I just close up shop? Because, man, I'm in the hole, you know, $250,000, still mm-hmm. not profitable, don't have a model refined yet. And I think at that point it was – uh I, I was, I, I mean, within like a month, I was like, okay, I'm either have to make a ginormous change on bringing on a, a big partner and giving up the majority share of the company, or I'm just going to, you know, kind of close up shop and, and, and take my losses. So that's, I, I would say last year in about September for the dirty dough, it was like, man. And then I met some really good people and it started, started taking off from there. That was the pivotal point. So did you take a partner or did you figure it out? I figured it out without a partner. Um, and now I'm glad I did because now I have a lot of, you know, I have equity to play with. Now we have these 57 stores that we sold in four and a half months and uh, it's been able to fund everything so far. So now when we do raise capital, it's uh, not raising capital as one single store, but it's a, you know, a, an up and coming franchise that we're selling, selling a lot. So we will be bringing on a partner, an equity, I mean, a capital partner in, in June is the plan. And now, you know, for probably 10 times the amount of money, we can give away 10, 10x less equity Wow! From where we are today than, uh, than in September. Fantastic. We've got less than two minutes to our first break. Why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? I really like the, the kind of eat what you kill, right? You go build mm-hmm. something, you create something. And if it has value, you get paid. If it doesn't, you don't. And Mm -hmm. it avoids all of the back and forth of what's this worth or how much you should get paid for this. Like, 
I've just never worked for anybody else. Um, I mean, even when I was, you know, doing sales, it was all 1099 commission based. And I just, I like that. I like the challenge of you tell me what to do um, or I tell myself what to do. And if I go do it and it provides value, then I get paid. If not, then, then that's totally fine. Yeah. That's fantastic. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest this week is Bennett Maxwell, and we're talking about how he bought a cookie company with one location in Tempe, Arizona. It's called Cookie Do- or, uh, Dirty Dough. Excuse me. I've had it twice. It is absolutely delicious, and there will be a store near you in the near future. He's sold 57 stores, as he said. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. It's merging If you have a lot of spizzerinctum or the will to win, and you have a strong desire to be a part of your favorite sports team, the National Hockey League might be for you. Did you know that if both goalies on an NHL hockey team are injured, anyone at the game is eligible to step in and play the part? Teams have resorted to using their coaches, team owners, and even their web designers to fill in for injured goalies. It's as simple as slipping into your breezers or hockey pants. The original hockey puck was made out of frozen cow dung. The fastest puck shot on record was clocked at 114 miles per hour. And I'd like to take this opportunity to send out a special thanks to the men and women of our armed forces serving our country around the world. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Bennett Maxwell. And he is the owner of a company called Dirty Dough, which is a really innovative cookie company, high-end cookie company. And it's delicious. I've had it twice. It's great. So I want to ask, we, we talked about why you decided to become an entrepreneur, but the follow-up to that is, was your family supportive of that decision or did they prefer that you played it safe? Um, I think pretty supportive. My, my, almost all my family is in this entrepreneurship game. It's really just, uh, just my mom that, that was like, oh, you know, you're so stupid to go, you know, work on commission only and things like that. But um, kind of everybody else, they, they, they have their own side gigs. That's mm-hmm. what my dad did. None of us, I, I feel like in school, we all did really well in school and high school. And those of us who went to college, I didn't graduate. I mean, I dropped out when I had a semester left and 
amazing grades, but I kind of just like, ah, oh, this isn't, this isn't for me. And I didn't get yeah. that much kickback from doing it. <laughs> Good. So, um, no, I feel like I was, I, and in Utah, it's a very entrepreneuristic community. So I yeah. felt like, uh, got a lot of support. I got really lucky with the support that I got. Absolutely. So how do you decide who to partner with? Man, that's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, one of my, you know, I'm a, as a salesperson, I guess in, in general, I think we're over optimistic on kind of everything. And that's how I've always approached my partnerships as well Is like, I'm going to believe whatever you say, and we're going to like kind of go with it. And if it doesn't yeah. work out, it doesn't work out. So more, I'm going to speak a little bit more to not choosing the right partner, but may, but hedging the bet if you choose the wrong partner. Um, mm -hmm. And that was kind of what I was talking about earlier this in September when the company I felt like it was a big pivot point. I went to a startup course. It was a three-day startup course led by a guy. His name's John Richards, and he's invested in like over 100 companies, and like a third of those have already exited. He's had successful exits on. He himself took a company public back in like 2000 or 2001. And he taught me all about business structure um, and partnerships and how to structure it and how not to structure it and vesting schedules. So I had initially brought on some partners that weren't a great fit. Then I found this course. We set up everything how he recommended we set it up. And then in November, I actually had to part, way, part ways with some partners. But it was a very easy and clean split because mm. it was already pre-negotiated in this vesting agreement, how much they were going to get, when they were going to get it. What, what were the terms? And it was just very, very easy. So I would say I've picked um, some good partners and I've picked some partners that haven't really worked out. But overall, it hasn't drugged the business down for picking the wrong partners because of the safety nets that we had right. in place. Absolutely. You mentioned the e-myth in the first segment. How did that book change your life? Um, it talks about, I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs out there. Everybody owns their own business, right? And then, it, right. but you think, well, if you own your own business and I'm, you know, inviting you to come on this, this Mexico trip with me or whatever, and you can't because of your business, like is, don't you just, don't you just have a job? <laughs> yeah. Know? So, and that really spoke to that. Cause I'm like, that's kind of what I was thought. Like, what's the point of owning your own business? If you aren't the actual boss that you can just take off time. And it's most of the people are technicians going into a business thinking, you know, I'm, this is going to be my job. And the, the bad part about that is, yes, you're an entrepreneur running your own business, but you're your own boss. You work the longest hours and you get paid last. So really yeah. trying to make sure that I'm building a business that one is sellable if I want to sell it. And two, it's giving me the freedoms that I want. And that is to go to Mexico whenever I wanted to, to go to Mexico or buy another property or step out of the business. I don't like to have a, a, a any responsibilities in my business. Like yeah. right now, I, I don't have, I'm not the sales guy. I'm not the CEO. I'm not the operations guy. I'm the networker. You know, I just, I just get to meet people and uh, explore potential synergies, but it's really not a, it's kind of whatever I feel like the business needs at that moment, rather than going through a list of what needs to be done and I need to do it. That's fantastic. So I want to ask a question that I've started asking fairly recently. I want to know what is the most expensive mistake you've ever made? It can be financial, but it doesn't have to be. It could be opportunity lost. It could be a time energy thing, but what is the most expensive mistake you've made? Hmm. Most expensive mistake I've made. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if anything's coming out to me like a, a big, um, 
a big huge expense right but like oh we just paid three different freaking companies to do our design you know our interior design because the first two didn't pan out and each one was ten thousand so it's like oh there's twenty thousand and yeah. solar i paid a lot of a lot of marketers um ten thousand twenty thousand dollars that we would get one or two leads and they would just disappear yeah. um as far as financial you know m- making <laughs> de- definitely definitely made some of those um costly decisions on jumping in i guess without proper vetting people yeah. um calling references and, and things like that yeah wow no i th- those are very important things and when you learn from those mistakes they end up actually turning out okay in some cases after all because you can dodge a bullet so what do you think it takes to be successful in business um i i, I the most i've seen the most success from the people I've, i'm surrounded by mm. um it's like i i honestly do not know how to mix i've never mixed cookies still you know it's mm. been it's been a over a year but I feel like I don't need to mix cookies because I don't have the time. I mean, I could go figure it out, right? And I'm capable mm-hmm. of doing it. But is it better for me to go and learn how to mix cookies or to find a CEO that's grown a brand to 700 locations and then sold it? And yeah. that's where I focus my time on is just finding the right people. I was, I was just actually meeting with somebody that flew in from Dallas this morning to Utah just for the day, just to see our facility, interested in investing. And uh, he's, you know, are you worried about this? Or are you worried about that? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, there's, we're, we're a new company. There's a lot of worries out there, but am I worried that I can't find a person who's been there, done that? No, I'm not worried about that at all. So like, I don't need to learn how to do logistics. We just hired a guy that did $50 million in his trucking company before he sold it last year. And, yeah. you know, in our, our, our warehouse, the guy did 70 million um, in, in his two warehouses and two and a half years ago, those warehouses didn't even exist. So it's really yeah. just finding the people. I think that's what's brought me the success. I don't feel like I'm anything special other than I could connect with other, other people and, and kind of put together a vision and, and, and get them sold on it, on what we could achieve together if we work hard. Absolutely. So what do you think your big mission is? Um, right now in dirty dough, I'm really pushing the cause of mental health, Mm. particularly in kids. So I have two kids. I was listening to, or I have three kids, but I had two daughters, at the time when I listened to this podcast, it was three years ago, Jonathan Haidt. And he was talking about the suicide and self-harm rates in, in kids, mm. sp- particularly girls. And, you know, three years ago, I had a two-year-old and a newborn daughter. And I'm like, man, what do you do to combat that? So that's right. why I've really changed. Um, and we, we have, you know, a Cookies for a Cause nonprofit. And it's all about what we're calling these local schools, um, elementary or middle schools or high schools and say, Hey, do you guys, if we could fund these wellness centers for you, do you have the manpower and the space to do it? And these are, these are already popping up all over the country, but now we can go, let's say we have a a franchisee in Salt Lake city, Utah, then it's, Hey, franchisee in Salt Lake city, Utah, there's Salt Lake city high school, um, needs $12,000 to do one of these rooms. So between us, the community and the franchisee, we can, we can raise the funds for these rooms these wellness rooms, and it's all about catching kids in the stress and anxiety stage before it gets to the depressive suicide rates or, or stages and teaching them coping mechanisms and, and mindfulness techniques, happiness mindset, uh, guided yeah. meditation, breathing exercises. So really wow. trying to focus on getting in these kids early on and teaching them these skills that 
I use in my day-to-day life, but I had no idea what they were in high school. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. And you, you have this as a cause that's tied directly to your company. So do, do a portion of your profits go toward this? Yep, exactly. So we do, um, spending a lot of money in, in, on the corporate side and then also promoting, um, we, we, again, we're just starting this, but from all the information I've gathered from other schools that have done this, involving the community and sending out like an Amazon wish list, like, hey, we need these things to make this wellness center awesome and facilitating all that. So both the organization and the structure we're providing and then also the, the backing it financially. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's talk about building a business and let's talk about your journey with Dirty Dough. How did you know that the cookie industry was the right one for you? Um, I don't know if it was the right one for me per se. I was interested in cookies because my cousin is is uh, involved with Crumble and I oh, yes. tried to get a Crumble franchise a few years ago, um, but they were sold out of Utah and they required you to be owner operated and I didn't want to move anywhere to you know do cookies. Yeah, you know, I'm like that's not my that's not my career. <laughs> I want to keep no, selling. No, no. So it got me, it got my interest, kind of, it piqued my interest. And then this cookie company that I bought, it was just because I knew the guy from high school. Mm. So if it was a donut shop, I might have bought it as well. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of just the opportunity presented itself, and I just listened to, uh, I forgot what it was, a, a book or a podcast within the last like few weeks that said, you know, that. To become truly wealthy, to the you know financially free, it's real estate and businesses. So I'm like, well, I've been, been buying up some real estate. Let me take a whack at buying a business. Yeah, I love that. To be truly wealthy is businesses and real estate. I love that. So let me ask you this because we've got two minutes to our next break. Some people pick an industry because they believe it's really lucrative, and others pick an industry because they know they're really passionate about it. Ideally, having both of those be true is is the perfect scenario. But where's the balance for you? I mean, when you look for a company to invest in, is it the lucrativeness or is it the passion that's more important to you? Um, when I bought this company, I didn't have any passion for cookies. I mean, I like cookies. Um, I saw that Crumble is doing very well financially. Now, but if you ask me right now, that, that's a, a year and a half ago when I bought the business. If you ask me right now, it's it's all about the passion. I think if we just open up the 57 stores, you know, it's a few million in revenue um, just from the royalties. And it's like, I I could be done with that. But what, why am I going, wanting to go from 57 to 2,000? Yeah. And that's pushing the cause. If we have 2,000 stores, that means we have hundreds of franchisees that we can potentially change their lives. And we have tens of thousands of employees between us and the franchisees. And yeah. I, we, we, we are doing a mental health on a corporate level. We're paying for life guidance coaches for yeah. all of our employees and all the employees of, uh, of our franchisees. So I think we can, that's what's driving me right now is can I get, you know, who's working in a dirty dough store? Well, they're 16 yeah. to 22 year old females typically. So right. those are the people that the mental health crisis is affecting the most. So what kind of change can we make if we have, 20, 30, 40,000 employees on a corporate yep. level. Well, we can, we can give them. Those awesome. Skills. Awesome. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. The mission 
is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Surveys show that 81% of people wish they could, but many never do. If you're one of those people, I can tell you why. You don't think you have time, you may not know how, or you might not believe you are a good enough writer. When you're working with an experienced coach, these reasons go away because I will help you every step of the way. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self-help, or how-to, reach out to me at www.briankwright.com for more information. Once again, that's briankwright.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you've not picked up my latest book, it's called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. It's available on Amazon. The ebook and the paperback version are available. And I'm announcing today for the very first time, The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Mom is coming out really soon. The book is done. It's being loaded on Amazon. And um, I'm getting some copies printed for myself. I cannot wait for this to come out. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So go to Amazon and pick up The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad. I'd be very happy for you if you did that. So, Bennett, let's talk some more. You picked the cookie industry. That's a very crowded space. How do you stand out? So our model, um, compared to the competition, everything that I've seen with these, there's the, the cookie industry has been around a while, like a Mrs. Fields and Insomnia Cookie. Um, and then there's these new cookie companies, a lot of them coming from Utah, that it's like these crazy flavors and they're rotating every week and they have, you know, 100 plus recipes. So mm-hmm. that's the market that we wanted to go for is these kind of crazy cool cookies. Um, but every company that I saw, they were, everything was manufactured and, and produced at a per store basis. So yeah. again, I don't have any experience in this. So I'm running a cookie store from San Diego that's out of Tempe, Arizona. Yeah. And I'm trying to identify what my problems are and it's waste and labor. You have all yeah. your raw ingredient waste and then you have you know teenagers mixing your dough and every time they mess, mess it up, you throw it away. And then you also have your labor. Every single cookie, you grab it by hand, put it on a scale and put little pieces of dough till it weighs just right. Then you're gonna grab it off and then ball it by hand and then put it on your cookie sheet. Yeah. And those are the two problems that I wanted to solve and we solve those by doing centralized production. So I brought everything in, found a machine that would ball all of the dough and portion it exactly. So it increased our quality control, our consistency, while decreasing our labor. Um, so that, that's that's what we went for. And now, if you look at our cookies, we have, because we use these special machines, you, you can make a cookie that you can't make by hand. So we yeah. have cookies that you could, you could break open and a whole ounce of hot fudge will, will fall out. 
And if yeah. you do it by hand, you're lucky to get a third of an ounce. So it's right. very unique. And then we started doing these multi-layer cookies. So um, like we just served the, the reverse Reese's cookie, but on the outside, it's a peanut butter dough. And then you break it open and you see a chocolate dough. And then yes. the very center, you have a peanut butter inside. So it's oh. like, this is a, a truly three layer cookie, which yeah. don't exist right now. Right. That's and fantastic. It, speaks, it does speak to the messaging that I wanted to. Dirty dough means that the, it's all about what's on the inside of the cookie, mm-hmm. right? The dough is dirty. And that's the message that we're pushing out with this cause that we mm-hmm. have is, is the mental health is you, the inside matters most, you know, life is, you, you have this mental health crisis because I'm going to compare my ordinary imperfect life with Brian's perfect life on Instagram every time he goes to Cabo, right? And it's just, it's not realistic. So we're taking that in our product and saying, look, life is dirty and messy and it's meant to be enjoyed. This cookie is dirty, mm-hmm. messy, and imperfect, but it's meant to be enjoyed. Yeah, I, I love that. That's fantastic. So what criteria did you have when selecting this opportunity? Was it a, a gut feeling? It's like, I, I think this would be great. I know you said you bought it from a friend you went to high school with. But if you were to buy a franchise in any other industry, what kind of criteria would you apply to that opportunity? Um, yeah, I mean, I, the reason why I bought this one, because I saw Crumble doing good. And I just forgot what you're, what, what, did the, what does it say when we come back from the commercial? It's, if I can do it, you can do it. Right. So that's always been my mentality um, in anything that I've done. It's yeah. if he can, if that person, he or she can do it, I can figure it out. Yeah. So what is, what was these other company, what were these other companies doing that I couldn't figure out? What were the, the top sales reps doing that I couldn't figure out? So that's when I jumped in. I, I probably didn't do the due diligence that I should have on it. Um, but it was kind of like, one, I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to get into the market. I'm a big believer of don't try to time the market. So if I'm buying real estate, if I'm buying a business, don't try to time it. Just just jump into it. And then I'm going to face challenges. But is there anything that other people are doing that I can't figure out or I can't find somebody to figure out? And that's what gives me the confidence to take these higher risk um, investments, to just kind of jump in and say, I'm confident that I'm a problem solver and I can find other problem solvers. Yeah, exactly. So when someone is thinking about having a business, some people buy an existing business like you did. Some people, many people prefer to start their own. What do you think are some of the pros and cons of doing either of those, buying a business that already exists versus starting your own? Um, starting your own business, I think there's a lot of advantages. I personally, looking at the two that I've done, I liked buying the existing, existing business, even though it wasn't profitable. I saw it as a lower risk because there were sales, right? Yeah. There was traction. There was a brand. I don't know branding at all. Like that's not you know, what, what looks good. It's like asking me to taste a cookie. I'm like, I like it all. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, can, I can't taste a cookie and actually give you good feedback. So that's why I like to buy because I bought an existing business and saw where I could change it. Like, wow, the labor is high. The waste is high. Um, there's no marketing. So like, what if we just did some marketing, did some professional photo shoots, and uh, cut down waste and labor. So for me, that was much less risky. Yeah. I still think that that's the case than starting my own business. Yeah. Um, because most of the work was already done. It just needed some tweaks and I'm good at those tweaks. Yeah, that's great. So if somebody out there has a business, how do you know if your business is franchisable? Um, I think the scalability and the quality control are the big things. So I went out to lunch uh, maybe a month or so ago and we ate at this amazing restaurant. I've got some pizza and pasta 
and it was great. And we stepped out and he was looking at potential, you know, a potential investor. We stepped out and he's like, I didn't want to say anything. This is his restaurant. He's like, I didn't want to say anything to the waiter, but the pizza was just a little bit too burnt, you know, a little, little bit overcooked for me. Mm-hmm. Because that's why I like your guys' model. Because people ask me all the time, hey, this pizza place makes so much money. How come we don't go open up a hundred of them? He goes, that's why. Because I only have one open and they can't get the crust right. <laughs> you know, oh. Where this model that we've done, it's we, we're delivering all of that from the corporate. So it makes it very easy for the franchise. So I would say if you're thinking about franchising um, and you want to check, like, can, is it very replicable? Do you ha- is it so intricate that you have to make sure that you cook the pizza just right? Or is it kind of, you put, you know, we're popping in a cookie in the oven and then when the timer goes off, take it out, but they don't have to mix the dough. They don't have to make anything. So that was probably one piece of advice is how, what's your going to be your quality or consistency across your stores and your brands. Um, and then anyways, I would say that's definitely the, the, the largest factor to, to, to consider um, yeah. is how are you going to keep up with the scale? And the number two is just think, if you want to, are, are you going to franchise this to have five buildings or 10 buildings or a thousand? Because once you go from five to a thousand, your mindset of what will work and what will not work changes. Mm. If we were only going to do five locations, I would maybe allow the process to be, okay, you pull the cookies out of the freezer, you let them sit for 30 minutes because technically they're going to cook a little bit better if they sit there for 30 minutes. Well, if we're doing a thousand stores, there's no way that's going to be consistent. You right. can't rely on teenagers to always be in their mind an hour ahead of schedule, right? right. When am I going to sell? They have to be an hour because then you have to take them out for 30 minutes, let them sit, then cook, and then wait for them to cook and then let them settle. And so little things like that, I'm like, well, if we're doing a thousand, that's not going to work. Yeah. So building yeah. a process for where you want to be. Exactly. So you've sold a lot of stores in a very short amount of time. How did you do that? Um, networking is the big thing. I mean, we haven't advertised it at all. Um, we're not paying brokerages or firms or buying leads or anything. Uh, so just meeting the right people is number one. Um, building a good reputation, which you know, a lot of people are reaching out just from knowing me in the past and knowing what I've done. That definitely didn't hurt. Um, right. But timing of the market is the biggest reason. So whether that's luck or luck, (laughs) it's we are riding the coattails of a much larger, much more successful company and saying we're doing what they're doing. They are the ones who did all the hard work. We're just coming in and tweaking the model. So the timing has been the biggest thing because everybody – in Utah, at least, where Crumble's based out of wanna wants a mm-hmm. cookie store, wants a Crumble because Crumbles kill it, but they can't they can't get one. So most of it is is seeing the timing in the market and and buying at the perfect time and and expanding at the perfect time. That's awesome. So how did you decide what areas you wanted to sell your first franchises in? Um, because we do centralized production that, you know, our advantages are decreased cost of goods, increased mm. quality control, decreased labor, all of that. But our disadvantages are, is now we have to deliver it. Right. So we kind of stuck with a Idaho, Utah, we stop in at Vegas and then we hit Arizona. So we just have a truck route that's going up and down and then we send one to Denver. So those are the areas that we've sold in trying to keep it compacted. We've had dozens of people inquire in, you know, in Texas alone and dozens of people in Florida alone, plus at least a few in every other state in, in yeah. between. But we are st- trying to strategically grow 
in these areas till we finalize our, our uh, factories out there, which we are working on. So those areas will be open up here in a few months. Um, but it was yeah. keeping it close, keeping it figured out like, hey, what if we mess up an order? Well, if the stores that we open are 30 minutes from our factory, that's no, that's not an issue to go grab some more cookie dough. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. So from a franchise buyer's perspective, someone who might be looking to buying one of your stores, hypothetically, what does that journey look like for them? Um, the Part of the model that we're trying to do is I, I think we have a really good model that's built for longevity. That's very profitable at very low sales. Yeah. Um, so with that, I'm trying to lower the barrier of entry because I think more people want to own businesses. Um, but the two big barriers to entry to owning a business are typically, well, do you know how to run it? What's your experience like? And then right. two, do you have the funding for it? So yeah. I think our franchise, as far as food goes, is the most simple model. You're getting a cookie puck, you put it in the oven. Um, so you don't need all the experience. I proved that out when I bought it with no experience and ran it from out of state. And then number two is the capital required. These are typically running like 175 to 200 minus whatever you get back from your landlords. And these markets we're seeing about 30,000. Um, but, and then we're on the SBA approved list as are a lot of franchisees or franchisors and you could do equipment financing. So we try to really lower that barrier to entry in both the finance side mm -hmm. and the experience side. Um, so more people can take the leap and jump into business. Also knowing that they don't have to knock out of the park. These cookie stores don't need a million or a million five or a million seven, like these other, some cookie, no cookie stores are doing. It's like, yeah, I think we're going to get there. But what if they only do half a million? Yeah. I'm getting a 50% ROI. And if the answer is yes, then you got a good model and a model right. that will last for, you know, whether the storms and whether the recessions like Mrs. Fields has done for 40 years, like Insomni has done for 20 years, and right. they use the centralized model. So we're trying to do the centralized model to build a long, you know, a very long lasting franchise, but while taking in the novelty item and the high sales of these crazy cookies, weekly rotating flavors, delivered to your door, served fresh, baked every hour. Trying yeah. to kind of combine those two models. Fantastic. We're coming up against our last break and down the stretch we come. We will be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. We will be right back after the break. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. If you are in business, what is the number one thing that stops revenue growth? Not having enough leads. Data is the new gold rush. With phone sites, that is never an issue. You can generate as many leads as you want without paying a lead broker. With phone sites, you can build a website or sales funnel from your mobile device in five minutes or less without any technical skills or without downloading an app. It's easy and you have nothing to lose. Try it for free for 14 days at phonesites.com forward slash Brian. Once again, that's phonesites.com forward slash Brian. many words to describe difficult people 
In 1887, a grumbler might have been called Krusty Gripes. The Scottish call a noisy and obnoxious person a ramstampish. And a messy, sloppy person might be referred to as a slubberdegullion. What's a word for that foolish person who keeps pressing the elevator button thinking it will go into hurry-up mode? A goostrum noodle. What's a word for a stubborn person who insists on making an air out of obstinance? A mumpsumpsis. Do you ever feel totally without energy? I usually feel that way about 4 o'clock every day. Here's a word that originated in 1893 for a person who is totally drained. A dartle dum And we might just throw in de pooper it, which means completely worn out. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Bennett Maxwell. He's the owner of a cookie company called Dirty Dough. And there's a cause attached to it. And I'm just so happy and grateful that Bennett is here. I have tried their cookies a couple times. They are absolutely delicious. So if you are in Arizona, Utah, Idaho, uh, go grab some Dirty Dough. It's really great. And expanding to an area near you soon. So Bennett, how do you choose the right mentors for you? Um, I try to choose people who going off of the been there, done that. Mm-hmm. So who, who's been where I want to be, um, who's done what I want to want to do. Um, and then you have friends and family that typically, at least my friends and family love them all. Right. But they're typically not what, where I want to be. Right? right. And they're the ones that are, you know, offering all of the, 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 the unsolicited advice. Um, like I get financial advice from my mom all the time. <laughs> yeah like, but you know um hasn't you know right right now I'm, I'm i help her out a decent amount financially with their home and her car and all of that so i'm like well I, i'm not probably going to listen to you because you're not where i want to be even though i love you more than anybody you're my mom right so um i started building an advisory board that's really when it got real for me like oh i can go get like really high level people if i you know have an advisory board sell them on this vision of like yeah, even to have a very small percentage of equity, um, it can really it can really blow up. Yeah. So that's the big thing with my mentors is are they exact? I mean, are they where you want to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about the power of taking action really fast. I know that you are very productive, and that involves doing things quickly and and just making decisions quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and I make a lot of wrong decisions because I make them so quickly. But mm-hmm. typically, I can make the wrong decision and the right decision quicker than somebody else will just decide. Right. Yeah. Let's let, let's, let's sometimes the, that quicker decision, even if it's the wronger decision is better than taking too long on a decision overall. Yeah. Especially in a startup with the, you know, there's so many different things that can happen. And so many pivots that are taking place at all time. Yeah. That's fantastic. So what do you think are some of the greatest challenges you faced while building your organization? Um, figuring out when, and how to raise capital. Mm. Um, do we want, again, we have one store. So even today, we only have one store open, but we've had 57 store sold in a few months and a huge waiting list. So it's like, well, how do you value that? How do you, you know, so I've been pushing and just self-funding everything um, 
to wait till we have more stores open and then to raise the capital. But that's been very challenging of like, yeah. do I want to give up a little piece of the company right now to help us mm -hmm. out? Or do I think I can hold off for, and because I'm, I mean, I'm confident in what we're doing. Like yeah. we only have to open up a few more stores um, that'll be open up next month. And those stores don't have to do crazy sales. They could do a third of the competition. And if it does a third of the competition under our model, I think we'll go sell a thousand of these. So I just want to, but anyways, but that's been really challenging on yeah. when to bring on a, a, an equity partner and what to offer in the early stages of the business. Absolutely. And a lot of business owners I talk to have a pretty good idea what their core values are because your core values, especially the rank order of those core values, determine the decisions that you make. So what do you think are some of your top core values? They don't have to be in any special order, but what are some of the things that you think about when you think of core values? So I've been going through this activity when I joined Apex, the you get assigned a personal coach and he could, he tell, he could tell right off the bat. He's like, you don't, what are your core values? You don't have them, do you? And I'm like, crap, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I've been developing them and going through the, the exercises. And that's actually one of the exercises was write your own obituary. And mm. it's like, do I want to be known for somebody that had that built a cool company and had some money? It's like, mm. well, no, that's, you know, kind of a diamond doesn't do I want to know, be known for somebody that's, you know, preventing suicide and saving lives in his, I mean, you know, across the nation. And that's really what I started. Okay. Well, maybe I don't value hard work per se, but it's working on the right thing efficiently maybe. And that kind of has been changing a lot of my core values and be like, ah. so I, I, another activity is I reached out to everybody and I said, Hey, what do you think my core values are? You know, friends and family that have known me for you know a long time and that hard work, everybody's like, Oh, you work really hard. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, hard work is important, but is that like, what if you're working hard on something that's not in the right direction, right? So it's been a very fun process of really diving into what are the, the core values. Um, but I am very big into the, the other ones that, um, again, I haven't finalized them, but but a passion, vision, impact, really making the world a better place as you leave. Um, education on always learning and always progressing because again, what's out there that other people are doing that you can't learn how to do. Yeah. And then really the networking and people, just being very people focused, um, keeping everybody around you happy, um, focusing on on them first, and then that value will come back in, in profits in the business. Fantastic. Mindset is also very foundational to your success, correct? Oh, oh for sure. Absolutely. How do you how do you train your mind? Door to door is a is is the best way to go trade your mind. You have ups and downs. You sell a solar account. You think you made ten thousand dollars and you sell three of them in a day. You're like, oh, I made thirty grand today. And then tomorrow you don't sell any and all three of them cancel. And then now you're negative thirty. And it's what I've done at least in the door to door is don't let your highs be too high and don't let your lows be too low. Um, don't check you know don't count your chickens before the um, before they hatch type of deal. But I I spend a lot of time on. Um, meditation and i use an app called waking up by sam harris he's a mm -hmm. neuroscientist so it's a lot more i guess science-based guided telling you what to think and why to think but that's helped me a ton in figuring out you know the emotional roller coaster and how to figure <laughs> how to weather the storms as an entrepreneur and mm -hmm. as a salesperson yeah that that's great i, I love the idea that 
you you know door to door will go fast. We'll, we'll help you do that really fast uh, because that's that's absolutely true. In any sales telemarketing, I can say the same thing. That'll train you real fast because you might go mm-hmm. several hours without talk having anyone to really talk to. But that one person that wants to talk to you, you want to. You want to talk to them, but you want to assess, though, too, is this person really a buyer? And that can be hard. Mm-hmm. I love another, that. Another quick exercise that I do is the Tim Ferriss, the worst case scenario exercise. Like, if I bought this business, because I didn't want to buy the business because I was like, well, I'm pr- it's probably going to fail. You know, most businesses fail. But and then I told myself, well, what's the worst that could happen? And I walked myself through, okay, well, the business is going to fail, and I'm going to dump 200 grand in before it fails. What? How is that going to affect your life? And I thought, that's actually not nearly as bad as what I thought it was. So let's give it a go. So taking that, you know, at least my mind, I think a lot of our minds work the same, but this anxiety settles in and the, it actually makes the worst case scenario way worse. Mm-hmm. Like if this business fails, it's not like I'm going bankrupt. It's not like I'm living out in the streets. I still get to drive my Tesla, you know? So kind of going through that worst case scenario on each of these decisions yeah. um, helps you see that your brain typically over, you know, dramatizes the, the, bad, you know, the worst case events. Absolutely. What are some of your favorite productivity tips? Um, get a virtual assistant. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I uh, work a ton with virtual assistants, mainly out of the Philippines, but they were running pretty much everything in the solar. You know, they were setting up the appointments. They were doing everything because um, it's an affordable way to offset your tasks. And as a founder, you know, you need to value your time. A ton, you know, and, and it's like, okay, well, whether I'm knocking doors or selling franchises, I'm worth well over a thousand dollars an hour. So anything less than that, I shouldn't be doing. Right. Um, and, which is hard to do. Not, not saying I'm doing that, but keeping that mindset and then hiring somebody that can do all of those other tasks um, that you shouldn't be focusing on. So you can really be focusing on the big picture, the big vision, the big sell, and promoting of what you're doing. So for me to be the most productive, it's all about delegating in an efficient way, which is typically, you know, virtual assistance for me. Fantastic. How do you know what to say yes or no to? In regards to business? Or just yes. Anything? In business. Okay. <laughs> um, I say yes to everything and it's such a big weakness that I have. It's always yes and then I have to reevaluate. And now I'm looking back and saying, is this going is this going to make me a happier person and that's Mm -hmm. how i'm judging my decisions not is this going to make me more money or is this going to drive this it's do i want to go and you know take this call is this going to make me a happier person or am i allowed to say no and i've always struggled with that it's always been very hard because i'm a people pleaser so now that's my going back on is this going towards my passion my drive my vision and my happiness yeah and if it's not then i'm not going to take the call and I'm typically allowed to off, offload it to somebody else, delegate that, or just turn it down altogether. Fantastic. We've got three minutes until the end. So I would love to ask you, what has surprised you the most about entrepreneurship? Surprising the most. Um, I think the struggles that everybody, you know, outside looking in, you always see, you, you see the overnight successes, right? Mm-hmm. And then you read about the business and you realize that that doesn't exist. Yeah. That everybody, I listen to the, the Business World Wars podcast and, you know, the, the founder from McDonald's, that movie, and then the social, whatever, the Facebook one. It's like, man, every single one of these big, big companies, a shoe dog by the, you know, the Nike, every one of these was going to go bankrupt a hundred times. Yeah. And yeah. uh, man, it gives you confidence when you're not doing so hot. <laughs> you're like, yeah. everybody's weather, you just have to weather the storm. But that's been very surprising. I 
before I really got into it, I thought like either you have it or you don't. And it's like, no, almost nobody has it. It's just they push long enough and hard enough and mm-hmm. believe long enough to make it happen. Fantastic. If you could give advice to the 18 year old version of yourself, what would you tell him? Stop caring what other people think and stop being a people pleaser. I think that's what's held me back a lot is uh, yeah. really living my life based on how others perceive me or even mm-hmm. a deeper level is how I think others perceive me because I'm typically wrong. I typically think they're going to see me a certain way, um, but that's that, that's false typically. Anyways, so just really living for myself um, and my family, my vision, my purpose, and not trying to you know, have everybody love me. Fantastic. And as we wind down to the end, here's the question I ask everyone, Bennett, who inspires and motivates you? Um, who inspires and motivates me? I don't know if there's one person that's sticking out. As far as the happiness mindset, the person that sticks out is Gary Vaynerchuk. Yep. Of like, who cares if you're making money? I just saw something, you know, some some girl quit a high, you know, like a law firm to go open up a, like a smoothie shop. And she's like, it's not even hers. She's just working there. She's a manager, you know? And he's like, that's what people should be doing. Like focus on what makes you happy. So Mm -hmm. I really respect and admire about that. Another guy that sticks out to me, you know, the most followed guy on Instagram, um, I think is the rock, you know, just like an authentic, genuine, genuine, caring person. Yep. Um, So anyways, those, those are two kind of celebrities that are, I guess I look up to. Perfect. And as we wind down, how can we find you? How can we vibe with you and try with you? Um, I have a website, BennettMaxwell.com, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, Maxwell.com. And you can connect me there on social media. Um, I also do an in-the-trenches report of real-time business, getting in the nitty-gritty okay. uh, financials and data, you know, data, all of that. And all right. Subscribe there. to. All right. Thank you so much, Bennett, for being here. And thanks to all of you for listening. This has been Successful Files Radio. Join us every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where I interview another world-class achiever. Where we can you plus we can all the way. Take care. Have a great day. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. We'll have guests that will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. For more on Brian and the show, check out his website, briankwright.com. If you've ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living, then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Join us again next week for more Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K.